All right, I, I'm just going to start. But basically, we're going to talk about Omicron canceling events. Maybe yeah. like maybe what happened. Okay, who got Omicron? Something like that. Um, yeah. Talking about sober <laughs> January. Does anybody do it? Did anybody has done it? Non-alcohol wines. Would somebody go there? And then um, how to drink wine? How should how do we do it? Wine Tech Insiders Podcast, year 2022. Happy New Year's, everybody. The insiders are back. Um, we are going to talk about Omicron. Uh, <laughs> is this going to shut down events? Who knows what's going to happen, but it's another year of COVID starting off quite uh, hot and quite influential in the wine world. A sober January what people do uh, in January. Do they drink? Do they take a month off? What does the wine world do? Uh, where do you go with that? And, uh, and a very interesting survey on how we should all drink wines. Well, I'd like to welcome our Wine Tech Insiders podcast members, our insiders, uh, Jonathan from Bottle Books, Nick from Wine Owners, and Lori from Outshinery. Great. So- um, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Um, so maybe I'll start off uh, with, it seems like everybody and their extended family uh, got COVID, lived with somebody with COVID, knows 10 people who got COVID. Um, uh, how did you all fare over the last, over the, the holidays? Uh, anybody here, get COVID? I got I, COVID. Yeah, I didn't. I got COVID on the 19th and I socially distanced, felt better on the 25th, cooked Christmas lunch, gave it to everyone else. Oh. So we had a quiet, we had a quiet, we had a quiet time, like the rest of the world, to be fair. So um, we knew so many people who were, um, were infected. Uh, and mm -hmm. thank goodness, as it becomes more transmissible, it almost certainly does appear to be coming an awful a um, lot uh, less strong, um, or at least in the case of those people who've been uh, jabbed up. We understand that those who do end up in hospital tend to be those who are unjabbed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, honestly, um, a mild form of flu is how it felt. And did it, did it mess with your plans? Uh, did you have to change things? Did you have to cancel events? We did. We had to take the crown off the turkey and stick the legs in the freezer. And we, uh, and we had to cancel going visit family. But you know what? It was actually quite nice. <laughs> so there have been, um, in, the, in the UK particularly, there were some um, events, actually events powered by bottle books. Some of them, um, the first to cancel was uh, Chile. It was uh, very early. Uh, it was supposed to be this week. Um, Jonathan, um, uh, what's going on um, with events? What's the mood out there for trade events? Um, uh, are they all going to be canceled in 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 the winter and spring? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a mixture of there was some optimism of getting to do the physical events again already. Um, I think there's still some optimism that Omicron will pass quickly or else the events wouldn't have been just shifted by three months or four months. So I think a lot of people are optimistic or hoping that the wave will pass. Um, 
Um, it's, I think, still to be seen how it impacts the, the biggest of the events coming up um, with Wine Paris in, in February and then Pro Wine, of course, in March. Um, uh, because the biggest challenge that it seems now is that if you fly in, are you allowed to fly home? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's almost guaranteed that any of these events are going to be super spreader events. It's almost, it's almost unavoidable. Um, so it's more, more of a commercial risk and also a risk of traveling to one of these cities and then not being able to get back to your family for two weeks. Um, so are people going to take that, um, take that step? Um um, how, what's the risk? But and then on the other side, we also have um, a customer from last year that did successful digital, uh, sometimes hybrid strategies, and they saw the benefit of doing something digitally that they were able to do not just on one day, but actually promote their wineries over two, three, or even up to six months, um, and getting them a lot of visibility in the process. So um, I think it's it's this year is going to be a topsy turvy year. Um, but at least if you do get sick this year, it seems like at the moment, it's going to be a lot more milder than it was last year. And I'm, I'm also curious, you know, with big event like ProWine, like, you know, I've, I've been there, it is technically like massive, right? Like we have, we're talking like massive space and everything. Is it, is it, let's say they go, but like, what would be the atmosphere? Like how would be, you know, like, if you get people to come, but maybe only a fraction come, like, I'm just also like curious about like, okay, so the event is happening. Some people like took the gamble or the risk, you know, and it's just, I'm just curious, like, is it still possibly like to the, to the detriment of the experience or like, like, I don't have the answer, but I'm also like, what happens when like, cause the attendance, no matter what, will never be the same than it was three years ago. Right. Like that's, that's, that doesn't seem possible. Yeah. Well, I think it adds overhead to planning everything so the people that we've talked to that are involved in planning the meetings and getting people to the stands like the the like that the associations engage with. Um, that's the most difficult thing for them at the moment is that they're basically in a holding pattern. They know they need to arrange things early to get the people there, but <laughs> they're uncertain whether there's going to be an event to get to people too, and um, then so I think what's what's really difficult is it's a holding pattern and to the at least to the events credit at the moment they're saying okay we're holding firm on the date but you know you only hold firm on the date until you cancel um so it's um I think there's but yeah I think that's it's 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 the holding pattern that everybody are in whether um whether or not you want to be that's that's the challenge yeah yeah and I guess you know this week yeah, has been, you know, traditionally the big Burgundy tasting week in London um, with, you know, uh, numerous concurrent events of um, Burgundy specialists taking place Monday through Thursday, i.e. tonight. Uh, and um, many of those were cancelled. I think many of, the, many of the merchants, retailers decided that they weren't going to take the risk. But there were some that that did do them, and um, you know, and uh, they've been very well attended, um, and notwithstanding they're trying to funnel people through time slots rather than sort of leave it open as to when people turn up. But um, some are happening, um, not with the producers inevitably. To your point, 
Jonathan, in terms of being able to come and then go home again. Um, but, uh, um, you know, touch wood, that augurs, you know, augurs hopefully something positive for later on in this year. And, and certainly I'm very hopeful that by the spring, things may have changed, do you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, like I'm going, I'm meant to be a speaker at Future Wine <laughs> Expo in San Francisco on May the 17th. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling the dice on that one. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be traveling to the US by then as well. So it's, um, yeah, so I'm optimistic that it's going to pass. I think the London Wine Fair is probably the this time one of the, events in the best situation because if but this is all assuming you know that there's not another variant that comes through so i mean we've and then we've all been in this position of optimism before <laughs> and then something else comes up just as you think you've gotten this one taken care of so i think it's uh, it's um yeah i think it's cautious optimism maybe the right term um but, but we are we, we do see more digital um from the customers that we've been working with for years there is uh, more appetite for digital at the physical events yeah. so it's it's not looking like it's a um just a, a return to how things were pre-pandemic um people are reconsidering what they're doing um with the catalogs a lot of people are finally putting the print catalogs completely uh mm -hmm. to bed and looking at digital solutions for that it's it's not only more hygienic but then it's also um um you know, it's more, you can, technologies come further um, and it can be more productive for, for everybody and you can get more feedback and knowledge from the event as, as well. So I think that's what is exciting to see from, from an events perspective that it's not, yes, we, we need to get back to in-person events, but it's not back to, here's your catalog, enjoy mm -hmm. the tasting, but there's more there to it. Yeah. So many people around the world uh, woke up on January 1st every year or wake up on January 1st every <laughs> year, um, pledging to be sober for the rest of the month, um, pledging to, you know, um, just renew or, or take a break or, um, Lori, are you, have you ever done a sober January? Never. Or? Never. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's definitely, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's happening in France now, but it's definitely something now that I live in North America. They call it like dry January. Uh, I had friends have done it and I tried to respect their choices. Personally, I've never, ever done it. Um, it just maybe also come to the fact that I think the, sometimes the drinking of wine is a bit different in different culture. Like it's just, I don't know, like me being French, I'm used to drinking a bit of wine, you know, every day, which is like surprise sometimes uh, some of my Canadian uh, friends, uh, like never done it. And I think it was, you know, like anecdotally, I don't know, the, I can't use this word in English, but um, it was really popular. I think the first year of COVID, the second year, and I don't know if people are just like enough of deja vu. I have, you know, in my own circle of friends like people are just giving up and i don't know anyone this year in my circle of friends that's doing dry january they're just like you know what scrap this uh you know like reasonable drinking which i think should be kind of year-round minus the holidays um but uh lower 
I think what's happening though, maybe people are testing more because there's more offering on the shelves, at least in North America, is lower alcohol wine. So we see more and more uh, 6.5 to 8.5% alcohol. Uh, keep in mind that often I found as well wine here as a stronger percentage of alcohol than in Europe. Um, you know, like it's really like very normal here to find wine that like 13.5, 14, 14.5 are normal. Each time when I go back to France, I'm reminded like, you know, 12, 12.5 is, or even 13. Uh, but yeah, so like, I think really people are like maybe drinking a bit more consciously uh, and maybe lower alcohol. Um, but I don't know, it feels like 2022 people are just like, this is not the year to stop drinking. <laughs> What do you think, Nick? Was uh, was dry January so 2021 or is it? Uh... No, I think it's been going on for a while, to be fair. Um, but it does remind me a little bit of an article that was recently published about Rolls-Royce sales, which are higher than they've ever been, as people are reminded of their own mortality and um, decide to splash out. Um, and I suspect that what we may see during the course of 2022 is people spending a little bit more on average on mm -hmm. wine than they might have hitherto spent. So, I, you know, we'll see, right? We'll see in due course if that prediction comes to anything. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly um, the, um, the fine wine market is kind of on fire at the moment. Um, yeah. And, you know, is that due to COVID or is it due to inflation or is it due to yeah. loose money? I mean, who knows? But it's um, it, it's 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 gone a little bit crazy. Interesting. Jonathan, you grew up in a fairly dry state in the U.S. <laughs> what, what do you think about uh, dry or dry drink. or dry hustle we didn't drink uh, in my, my house growing up so um <laughs> and I, I would say i'm going through a period of that at the moment as well since we have our twins in sub, sub, uh, september there is a bit going on around the house and uh, um it can be a bit more difficult to to find time to enjoy uh, enjoy a beverage um but uh, going to what laurie was talking about low and no um we've kind of gotten into um uh, non-alcoholic um, vice beer um, and um, that is something that you can you can hardly tell the difference between that and an alcoholic um, version so those are quite uh, quite enjoyable I mean I, back when I used to uh, yeah pretend to be a runner and did the marathon in in Munich um, the the second to the, the second to last water stop um, they're actually serving beer um, so you can, and they're serving non-alcoholic vice beer on the on the on the Munich uh, marathon route. So, um, but um, I think that the the non-alcoholics are seem to be coming along. Um, even the wine shop here in town happens to have now one de-alcoholized white and one de-alcoholized um, red as well. So um, um, we're 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 trying and seeing what's out there, and um, but I think. For the occasions, we still go back to the alcohol-containing uh, variants. Mm -hmm. Well, um, another interesting article um, or a survey uh, in the U.S. Um, was asking people, is there a way to drink wine? Are there rules of how you should drink wine? Nick, I'm going to go to you. You seem like the person who, <laughs> if there was a rule, 
on this panel, you would be supporting it. Is is there a way you should do this? Is there a, is there a proper way to taste definite, the wine? Definitely out of a glass, not out of a bottle. Um, not out of a can, badly, like Seb might suggest. But, but on a slightly more serious note, no, I don't think there should or are, or should be any rules. I mean, you know, having said that, you know, clearly there's a lot of focus on AI within the wine market uh, in helping to provide recommendations and, and, and cross-selling opportunities and helping consumers, buyers navigate to the sort of wine that they're more inclined to perhaps like when it when it turns up. Um, so you know, I I I think that that for that to really work properly, it's got to be at a really really granular level. And we've talked about um, some of the API services that are coming onto the market now that um, pull from a client transactional history. They look at what's in the cart and they provide a background database of um, how uh, wines um, break down from a sort of component perspective or elementally. So I, I think that is interesting, but I think uh, that's more interesting than whether maybe you should, you know, drink something with whatever it is that you're eating on your plate tonight. I'm sure, you know, it's... It's nice, it's nice to have some guidance, of course, in terms of, you know, what goes well with Asian, what goes well with shellfish or beef or whatever. But, but I think, you know, those are limiting rules and I don't think there should be any. Laurie, what, what, what happens when you go to a restaurant and the waiter pours you a bit of wine? Do you give it a swirl? Do you give it a sniff first? Do you just gulp it down? Do you have a kind of little routine or... I try to pretend that I know what I'm doing. Like often I'm the one at the table that work in the industry. So they always say like, oh, she, she's the one testing the, the wine for the table. It's always pressure. Like you don't want to disappoint the table. You don't want to disappoint the waiters that you don't know, but you don't want to go back with them. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like it's, so yes, I do do the movement, right? Like just kind of like the, the swirl, the sniff, like a bit of a taste and 99%. I have returned like once or twice, maybe in my life bottles. So I was just like, yeah, that's, that's not good. Um, but I would say, you know, whether with wine, like I really, I'm ruthless. There shouldn't be any rules or anything like that. But I do think there is an opportunity around maybe not going as far as like ritual, but it is one of this liquid that, that has a little bit of, um, panache if you want it like in the experience of serving it that maybe um you know other like pop or like like don't have so why there is no rule like uh, there is always something enjoyable i think the best experience of course is when you open a bottle of sparkling like there's always you hear that pop the table cheers no matter like it doesn't matter like you know like so there's this that i think maybe can be a bit capitalized a bit more i know we're moving more to stelvin capsules so you don't have the pop of the cork that is also a significant but I don't know there's something about the ritual I got over COVID like a very nice decanter that also aerate and I don't know like just even the simple fact of like putting in the decanter a bottle of wine it just makes you appreciate people like look at it like being decanted like it's I don't know like there is something I'm, do I'm not doing it just for the taste and the whole like proper thing but it's almost like acknowledging like, oh, like this is a nice social experience. I think that maybe more of that that can be a bit played 
a, a bit more um, without being intimidating whatsoever, more like celebrating. Yeah. Jonathan, a final word. What do you have any habits? Do you have any things that you do? No, I would say that I, I do drink wine on its own. So not always where I would say half the time I'm having a glass of wine that's on its own. And I think that uh, like the, when you're tearing down the rules or saying, okay, whether you do rules or not, I think the more important thing is that you're making sure the, the wine's enjoyable. And sometimes mm -hmm. the wines that you can pull off the shelf, they're only enjoyable with food and you, you don't. And so there's, I would say there's, there's still rules or it's not really rules, but it's like, I guess it's like, like if, if people are, are not into the details of, of wine and wine pairing, it's just being aware that, you know, you might have a wine that tastes amazing at dinner. Don't expect the same experience, of course, when you just had it, when you have, when you open, when you're sitting down to a movie and want to have that wine again. Um, so I think it's, it's when you're going to break the rules, know how you're breaking them, I guess, or the times <laughs> that you've, that you've enjoyed them, just know whatever, whatever else you've done so that you can recreate that, 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 um, uh, yeah, recreate that moment. Um, again, going back to beer, being in Germany, being in Munich, you know, you go out and you get a, you get a vice beer here, not to go back to the vice beer, but that is as much an art form of pouring as any, as any wine. Because it's not just about getting the beer into the glass. You also have to arrive with the perfect amount of foam at the top. And it's not just pouring, of course, but then bartenders will often take the bottle, pour it, and then they'll sit there and they'll roll the bottle back and forth on the table to get the to get the foam and then they'll top it off. And so I think, you know, it's it's the the beverages that are not just pop the lid and, and start drinking it. They are kind of fun to have some yeah. sort of ritual around and um and uh, some people can really turn that into an art form which is which is always cool to see <laughs> well welcome to 2022 that was the wine tech insiders podcast I'd like to thank again our insiders laurie from our chinery nick from wine owners and jonathan from bottle books we'll see you all in a few weeks thank you bye, bye.